25 years of Jaguars football. He's looking for the end zone. Byron Leftwich, touchdown, Jacksonville on the opening drive. It is Thursday, January 23rd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, well, Mobile didn't want him. I guess we'll take him. J.P. Shadrick. Welcome in, Jaguars Happy Hour on this January 23rd. J.P. Shadrick with Tony Baselli. Jeff Lagerman is in parts unknown. Tony's on the line with us. Where are you, Tony? What's up? I am out of town. I am uh, doing a little work up in uh, Minneapolis. Oh, that's your that's your new second home, it seems like. You're always in Minneapolis now. Well, just for the short term, I'm working on some stuff. But, yeah, so up here, I was in Jacksonville last week. Uh, we have Super Bowl next week. And uh, it's all kinds of good stuff. Busy time of year. Here's what's coming up on the show today. Jay Gruden named the offensive coordinator. We'll recap that hire. Doug Marone announced that yesterday in Mobile. Senior Bowl week wrap-up. We'll hear from Dave Caldwell also, Jaguars general manager. Pro Bowl Jags. Three players involved in Orlando this week. Ashlyn Sullivan was there. She'll present what she got from the guys down at the practice field in Orlando this week. We'll go around the National Football League as well. Jay Gruden hired as the offensive coordinator, the former Redskins head coach, fired after an Ofer start this past season and he was an offensive coordinator with the Cincinnati Bengals before that and then prior to his NFL stint he was uh, for a long time in the arena football league a couple of arena bowl titles as the head coach of the Orlando Predators years and years ago 35-49 and one record as a head coach and Tony if you if you think back a few years ago before he was the Redskins head coach he was kind of the hot offensive coordinator mind in the NFL and when the Redskins hired him the record doesn't really show it as a head coach but this guy has a reputation as being a really good offensive mind well just wrap your head around this JP he took he led the Bengals offensively now Marvin Lewis is the head coach but offensively the three straight playoff appearances they had one of the better offenses in football yeah Certainly, yeah, I mean, that's how, yeah. that's how hot of a commodity he was. I mean, he was the hot commodity. He was the guy everyone wanted. And uh, he, went to, he went to Washington. They had some success. But, the, you know, the last couple of years was quarterback issues and um, organizational issues. I think they're well documented of Daniel Snyder as the owner up there. So he's not the first individual who uh, had a tough time uh, in the nation's capital. Doug Marone yesterday said that, uh, you know, scheme is one thing and all that, but it's really how he fit with the coaching staff and, and working with the players and his personality. And, you know, it, it, that was a big part of this process as anything on the field, I think, for uh, Jay Gruden to be here. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, think about how, I mean, we see it firsthand um, being in the building, how many hours these coaches spend together. It's a scheme and ability to teach as a coach and to lead. Those are all critical, and you have to be able to do that. But at the same time, you need to have the right personality and the right, uh, how do you say, I mean, the right chemistry Mm -hmm. with the assistant coaches that you're leading as well because you spend more time with them than you do the players. 
And I think that's a often overlooked uh, part of making sure you get the right guy. Does he fit the culture of your assist, of what you're trying to build as a head coach on the coaching staff? Forget the players, but just from a coaching staff perspective. Well, what will the offense look like will be a question, of course, moving ahead until we actually see something on a practice field at some point in this offseason. Uh, we won't really know until we find out exactly what the personnel is going to be. We don't know his thoughts on the quarterback yet. Dave Caldwell didn't have a lot to say about that position this week either. So uh, you have a coordinator, but it's really building around the parts you have on the offensive side. Yeah, I think I think you said it perfectly. We'll find out. I mean, I think, you know, you still have free agency. Well, before we get to free agency, what you have is you have to cut people. That's right. To get under the cap. And then once you do that, then you find out how much cap room you have and you go address as many needs as you can um, in areas that you don't think you'll be able to address in the draft um, through free agency. And then once you do that, you have the draft. And, and as you're kind of going through that process, you'll have an idea of the personnel that you have and kind of which way you want to lean. But in the meantime, you can't wait for all of that. If you're Jay Gruden, you got to start immediately working with your assistant coaches and start talking about terminology and language and, and what your core beliefs are as a offensive staff. So all these things kind of need to work together in concert. And uh, it's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of moving parts. And that's why it's always difficult to have a coaching change. In, uh, and typically it takes some time to get on the same page and, especially when you're talking at a coordinator level. Tony Baselli with us on the phone from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Jaguars happy hour. How many Redskins games have you done in the time he was the head coach on Thursdays? Oh, gosh, one a year. Okay. So, yeah. you know, I did one this year. They played Minnesota. Um, they had all kinds of quarterback issues. Uh, Geis was out with injury. Peterson was playing. Yep. Um, they ended up having an injury in-game, and so the rookie Haskins had to come in in the second half. So they had all kinds of issues. I mean, it was a – I don't want to say a disaster, but it was tough sledding from a personnel standpoint, yeah. injury standpoint. I mean, they were without Trent Brown this year. He held out. Right. Had all kinds of issues in the organization that brought a lot of drama from that standpoint. So it was, it was tough for Jay. And I'm not saying he was without fault. You know, not being there, you don't know – the entire backstory. But like I said at the beginning, he's not the first coach who's had a tough time in D.C. under the leadership of Daniel Snyder. 0-5 start this year, and that got him run off from Washington to start this season. Seven and nine records the two years before that. But then he had winning records um, the, the seasons prior, 15 and 16, a 9 and 7 record, and a playoff appearance in 15, 8, 7 and 1 record in 2016. Missed the playoffs that year. Um, and then over the last few years, what was the year that the GM, uh, they, they ran him off as well? That was a few years ago in Washington. So there's been a lot of moving parts yeah. around the organization. Oh, you know? Yeah. And then remember every offseason, it was the drama until a couple years ago, it was Kirk Cousins. That's right. They, yep. you know, they franchised them. Are they going to sign them? Are they going to trade them? I mean, there's been very little stability in that organization for a long time. You know, so it's tough. And, uh, I think Ron Rivera is there now. We'll see what he does and how he handles it. But uh, I think Jay Gruden's a very good coach. Everything you hear about him is very positive. Uh, his success at Cincinnati was, you know, evident by what they did. The question is now is, you know, it's a, you know, they have a, it's a, they're under the um, 
pressure of a one year, we got to figure it out now. You know, Jay Gruden can't come in and say, all right, we're going to build this out and kind of layer in what we want to do and, and because we're going to have a three-year period to kind of become a great offense. They have to figure it out in the next, you know, eight months before they kick it off. And Doug Marone said as such in the conference call yesterday with the Jaguars media, I don't, I don't have time for that. I mean, basically, it's how he said it. Uh, they have to win. They have to win right away. And they don't have time to, to really get things, you know, take the time to get it going. It's got to be uh, right away from the word go at the start of the offseason program, have the offense ready to roll, and then on opening day, uh, get out there and play. Now, the next trick is there is still a hiring process going on, according to Doug Marone. The quarterback coach position is still out there, and it sounds like he and Gruden will figure that out together moving ahead. I don't think there's a true rush on that, though, Tony. Well, I mean, you don't want to wait too long. I mean, because that's a part of your staff that as you start – got to remember, they got to put in a whole new offense and terminology and language and what they're going to do and how they're going to communicate. So you want that individual part of that conversation. And my guess is that part of the process of hiring Jay Gruden was Jay explaining – now, I don't know this for a fact, but explaining that he would like to have a lot of say in that hire so he could bring his one of his guys in because then at least have he'll have one person on the staff that is speaking the same language that he is. How tough is that for, let's say, a quarterback or a left tackle even when you have to bring in a whole new offensive terminology? How, how hard is that? How long does that take? You know, in fairness, the only time I did it was my rookie year okay. because after that I had the same terminology, same offense the entire time. But I'll go back to my rookie year when I, my head was swimming and trying to figure everything out. I didn't think it was that hard. Now, for an offensive lineman, did I know in depth every aspect of it year one like I did in future years? No. But did I understand the language, what we were doing, formation, you know, play, call, protection, run scheme, all that? Absolutely. But, again, that's only a portion of it. The quarterback has to know all that, plus the routes, the schematics, you know, what you want to do against this coverage, this front. Um, and so it's quite extensive. And it's, you know, But what we saw last year, which gives me a lot of hope in this area, is that we saw Gardner Minshew pick it up really quick and did a great job of absorbing a lot of information, enough where he was effective going in there opening day as the backup. And Minshew's done that throughout his college career, too. I mean, he changed schools like five times or something, you know? So, it's not the yeah, first time. Yeah, I mean, time. the guy's no dummy. So, uh, my, my guess it will be no issue for him. Looking forward to seeing um, how that goes the rest of the way here. Hey, uh, uh, we're going to hear from Ashlyn Sullivan coming up. She's going to join us in studio a couple of segments from now to discuss the Pro Bowl um, players for the Jaguars. And um, she also caught up with the Redskins quarterback. Kirk Cousins and asked him about Jay Gruden coming to Jacksonville. We'll get back to uh, Kirk Cousins so coming up. Production uh, in calling plays with a variety of different players in a variety of different places. So he will do a great job uh, with that team, with that system. And um, I think everybody's in a good place hiring him. So Kirk Cousins had some uh, nice comments about his former head coach down at the Pro Bowl. Ashton Sullivan caught up with him. Um, this will be interesting The next uh, to see how this thing goes in, Tony. And, and then the question, obviously, moving ahead, of, as we talked about, 
Where do you trim the cap? How far down do you trim it? How much money do you have to spend? It sounds like Dave Caldwell is confident he'll have a little money to spend come free agency time, but there's a lot of work to be done to trim it down that far. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, they can get creative, but in, in getting creative, they can create space, but then they're creating other holes in the roster. I mean, I mean, we looked at it what last week or the week before. That's right. With Jeff, and they were over the cap going in to this league year. And so they're going to have to make some significant changes in the coming weeks, coming months, to get under the cap and to give them the ability to do make some moves in free agency. But as you do that, I'm being repetitive now, but I want to make sure everyone's clear, you create some holes by letting guys go. All right, let's come back in a moment. We'll hear from Dave Caldwell. He'll discuss the Senior Bowl week, working with Doug Marone, the scouting and coaching staffs getting together, and a little bit more to come as well. A little later, Ashlyn Sullivan has reports from the Pro Bowl in Orlando We'll go around the National Football League as well. We're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Tito's Handmade Vodka is America's original craft vodka. In 1995, Tito Beverage set out to build a micro distillery incorporating elements of artisan craftsmanship from boutique wineries into the spirits industry. Pot distilled and made from corn, Tito's is naturally gluten-free, crafted in Austin, Texas to be savored by spirit connoisseurs and everyday drinkers alike. For Tito's recipes, infusion ideas, Tito's swag, or to learn more about our story, visit titosvodka.com. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, crafted to be savored responsibly. Geico presents, oh boy, another voicemail from your roommate. Hey, I got some bad news. Someone broke into our apartment and they took your TV and your computer. But what's most upsetting is they took my water bottle. Oh wait, there it is. I was really worried for a second. Oh, they took your stereo too. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate is only worried about her $2 aluminum water bottle. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Whether you're driving to a Jaguars game or on the way to work, when you see flashing lights, please move over. If you can't move over a lane, slow down 20 miles per hour below the speed limit. You can protect those who help you on the road. From law enforcement and other first responders to utility and tow truck drivers, they all need you to be at the top of your game while you're driving. See lights? Please move over. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles and the Florida Highway Patrol. Hey, Jacks fans. You know green chili makes everything taste better. And our friends at 505 Southwestern make the good stuff. Flame roasted, premium quality. It's the famous Hatch Valley green chili in glass jars, not in tin cans. Try this idea. Mix some 505 green chili into your favorite salsa and add some kick. Or use 505 as a guacamole starter. You'll love 505 Southwestern. You've reached the Rookie Support Hotline. This is Peyton Manning. Your commitment to keeping Sunday laundry-free is truly inspiring. And Tide is committed to your commitment. You're making the world a better place for our rookies one week at a time. They grow up so fast. Remember, there are plenty of other days of the week. And Tide is America's number one detergent for all of them. If it's laundry night, it's got to be Tide. At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, 
or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Well, needs change, and, and between now and the draft, and our needs are going to change, and see where you know we can fill some guys in in free agency, or we may lose a guy here, may lose a guy there. So those will change. So we want to make sure we know everybody here at every position, and uh, feel good about those guys going into the draft. Dave Caldwell, Jaguars general manager at Senior Bowl in Mobile. That was on Tuesday. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick in studio. Tony Baselli on the line with us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Jeff Lagerman is not here. He's somewhere else. He'll be back next week. And Ashlyn Sullivan coming up next segment to discuss the Pro Bowl in Orlando this week. Yeah, so you heard from the GM there, Tony. Um well, obviously, needs can change you know, over the next couple of months when the free agency and you start trimming, as we talked about there. If you if you start trimming salary down, then that opens up some more needs for you. That's why you got to know everybody at the Senior Bowl, get some base info. Not that they don't already, but uh, the, the part of this week is scouts trying to talk or at, may, at least make contact with everybody on both sides in Mobile. That's a lot of conversations in the hallway in that hotel room. Yeah, but it's a great opportunity. You're going to be around some of these guys, and some of these guys are going to be top players, you know, first, second, third rounders, and you get to do extra work on them. You get to see them in live action, competing against other guys. You get to see how they interact with coaches, how they handle coaching. Um, you see them away from the field. And so this is valuable time to do your work. Now, it's just part of the story. Obviously, um, their game tape that they have during the season all the way through the combine information, the medical that you're going to get, and then the guys you really want to see some more of is that you'll do, uh, you'll invite them to Jacksonville and do an in-person interview uh, on site. So this is simply just part of the information, but it's a valuable piece. And you got to start doing your homework from day one on these guys. Um, you're investing a lot, and, and we've talked about it on this show, that you need to get the draft right. Uh, and this year, as much as anything, you have two two first rounders. You have, uh, I think, what is it, three picks in the first 40, uh, 42, 41, yeah. 42. 42. That's right. Um, and so you need to get those right because this is how you build the foundation of young players where you don't have to be dependent in the future on free agency. And how you build a championship football team is, is through the draft, in my opinion. And this is critical for that we get this right. We'll, we'll touch on some more of the things that, that Dave discussed this week uh, in just a few minutes here. But let's continue on the Senior Bowl talk and some of the, the top standout players, at least at practices this week. As you would imagine, Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon, um, shows well on the practice field, Tony. I'll say that. Big arm, um, big name throughout the year. And now that the pre-draft process is here, I think his stock will only continue to rise. He looked pretty good this week. How is his accuracy? Because the big knock on Justin Herbert at Oregon is his accuracy. He's big. He's athletic. He has yeah. a big arm. A big arm. Um, he has all those qualities that you love about him. But there's been some accuracy issues. If you accuracy issues as you watch the tape 
of him playing at Oregon. I will say that I didn't see a lot of the team periods each day, the first two days, but against air, I mean, obviously the ball's on target. Um, well, I'm pretty accurate on air, too. So I think we all, is, most when, of us are, yes. Yeah, when he gets into right. live situation where there's a rush around him, there's defenders out there, mm-hmm. is, you know, how what's his accuracy like? And that's going to be something that needs to be looked at, but he is a real, real deal. He's a real prospect. And in Jeff and I have talked about it on the show that we feel like you need to look at quarterback. I don't think that is a, you know, Gardner Minshew has submitted himself as the future at that position. Nick Foles is still in the roster. We wait and see what happens there. I think there will be a competition between the two of them. Um, however, I think Gardner has a lead right now. So you still, all that to be said, you need to do work on this quarterback class. And if Justin Herbert is a guy that you feel like, is a franchise quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl, that he is a one of those guys that can lead a franchise by putting him on his back because of his skill set, yep. his makeup and everything else, then I think you have to take an honest look at, pick. you know, do you pick him at number nine? Because I think what we see, look at the, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs had Alex Smith, who was a playoff caliber quarterback, was one of the highest rated quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, top 10, maybe even top five, the year they picked Patrick Mahomes. And they went from 27 to 10 because they had a conviction that Patrick Mahomes would be a guy, the guy, a franchise quarterback. They could lead them to championships. And and what has he done since he's been there? He's led them to two AFC championships and now to a uh, – Sorry about that. The camera slides a little bit. Uh, and and now to a, a Super Bowl. And so, right. but they had a conviction. They went from 27 to 10. They gave up future draft capital. They gave up first rounders. Well, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, and if you think that Justin Herbert is one of those type of guys, yep. I don't care if, what you think about, you know, you have unknowns about uh, Gardner Mitchell. You have to pick that guy. The question that will come up, and I think Justin Herbert addressed it a little bit in his press conference time earlier this week in Mobile, it was on Tuesday, was the media day, um, was that he's not, he's kind of quiet, you know, he's not a vocal rah-rah guy, and a lot of times NFL people want that kind of leadership, especially out of a quarterback, a guy who's going to get everybody going in the right place. He didn't really seem to have that fire, but it sounds like he's, you know, I don't know how much you can work on that now, but um, how you approach the interview sessions and everything moving ahead, that can adjust, you know, leading up to the draft. But I think that's something that will come up over the next couple of months. Where, where, do you, where are you on that, especially with a quarterback who may not be the most talkative, who might be a little quiet behind the scenes? Uh, does that equate to anything for you? Absolutely. I think yeah. leadership is a critical portion, uh, part of that position. Now. I don't just want a great leader, but he can't throw the ball that he can't play quarterback. I mean, that was the big thing with Tim Tebow and Hughes coming out. One of the great college quarterbacks, a top 150 all time player in college football, amazing football player. And one of the great leaders to ever play the game of football, the college football uh, at that level. And a lot of people said, you need to pick Tim Tebow because he's a leader. And, don't worry about his accuracy. Don't worry about his throwing motion. Don't worry about his efficiency in the passing game because he's a leader. Well, in my opinion, 
that's a piece of it, but you better have the leadership and the skill set. You need both if you want to be a great quarterback. Now, you can lead different ways. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has to be in your face, yelling, rah, rah, cheerleader type of guy. Um, there's effective ways to lead. And, and the question is, is Justin Herbert a leader? That's the question you have to answer. Not, you know, his style is one thing. Everyone has different styles to lead in football and business and families, whatever it is. But is he a leader? Do guys follow him? Is he influential? Uh, does he move the needle? However he does it. And, and that's what you have to kind of discern through the interview process. Another name that kept popping up this week was Javon Kinlaw, the South Carolina defensive lineman. And some tendonitis flared up in his knee apparently, I think, today. So he shut it down the rest of the week. Um, great football player. He's six foot six, 310 pounds, big body. And his press conference earlier in the week, I believe on Monday evening when he spoke with the big group, uh, was really fascinating because I, he, he came up from a really tough background and worked his way up, and he has the confidence that you need to – he wants to be the best defensive tackle of all time, and you, you say all those things. But there was a little something extra about him. And obviously stopping the run, having big bodies in the middle up front is something that this football team – for the Jaguars might need moving ahead, especially if Marcel Darius is gone, which it it feels like that could be. Another guy who was walking around the Senior Bowl but was not participating was Derek Brown. He was in attendance, not officially, but he was in the lobby of the hotel with the Rosenhaus brothers uh, doing some business in the lobby this week. So um, there were a lot of big-name defensive tackles around Mobile, Tony, this week, which is you know, uh, it's a pretty good group if you look at the top of that, that group in this class. Yeah, and you're going to be sitting there at nine with a good chance maybe to get one of those guys. Yeah, and I think and listen, we've talked about it at length. You got to build the lines. You got to control the line of scrimmage. Um, I don't think you can win in this league without controlling the line of scrimmage. Now, how you control it is you can do it different ways. I mean, you look at the San Francisco 49ers who are in the Super Bowl. They have a strong offensive line. They I think have three or four first rounders. They've invested in it. They run the ball. They're physical. They're good play-action pass team. They protect, and they have the best defensive line in football. They're dominant, and I think they have four first-rounders on that side. So they've invested heavily on their lines, and it's gotten them to a championship. Um, You look at the Kansas City Chiefs. um, They've done it a little bit different. They have a good offensive line, but they're more finesse. They control it by the style they play, but they protect Patrick Mahomes. And you watch. You look at games where Mahomes has struggled, it's because they can't protect him. When Eric Fisher was out, Cam Irving was their left tackle. He couldn't protect Mahomes' production, and their production as an offense went down. So you have to be able to protect. That's how the Kansas City Chiefs do it. One of the big Achilles heels of the, of the Chiefs, especially when Chris Jones was out, he was back last week for the AFC Championship. They were a different team, is they struggled to stop the run early in the year. They were, I mean, here's a great statistic for the Chiefs. They were 4-4. Four and four in the first eight games and they were giving up, I believe it was 145 yards a game since then any game under uh, they gave up uh, under 110 yards. It maybe it wasn't four and four, but any game they gave up under 110 yards rushing, they were undefeated over 110 rushing yards. They were four and four. Mm-hmm. And so you look at the difference and you look how much better that defense has gotten because they've controlled the line of scrimmage. They've stopped the run and they've changed who they are defensively. So, we have to be able to control the line of scrimmage. That means outside the quarterback, which is the most important, you have to be able to block people and you have to be able to stop people from running. 
and you have to affect the quarterback. Well, the two groups that you do that with is your offensive line slash tight end. We've talked about the importance of getting a tight end here and the yes. defensive line. We saw weakness there that we, we, we had some weaknesses there this year. And so I think you have to invest inside out. You have to invest in big people. And uh, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good class. You just talked about a couple of the guys on the defense tackle. I haven't done a lot of homework, just watching them on TV mm -hmm. this year. And you can see how good they are on TV. I'm looking forward to looking at the film. Um, but it's also a deep draft for tackles, offensive tackles. Um, maybe some of those tackles can be slid into guards uh, that were college tackles. So there's an opportunity for this team to get, there's an opportunity for this team to get better on both lines. Let me ask you this, since you brought up the tackle position, can Cam Robinson play guard? I have no idea. Never seen him do it. Um, he's he's probably never guy. seen he's never seen him do it either. I don't think. Yeah, so you, you don't know. Can he? How does he handle uh, short space quickness, uh, quick reaction? Everything's on top of you quicker from guard compared to tackle. A lot of guys have been very good guards. I mean, very good tackles in the college and became all pro guards. Zach Martin for the Cowboys is one of them. He was a tackle in college. They didn't feel like he had the athletic ability to play that. Um, in space, in the pros, they move him to right guard, one of the best guards in football. So there is a pathway for that. Um, I think it would not surprise me at all if the Jaguars pick a left tackle uh, in the draft this year and and then figure out where you put Cam and see if he can compete for a starting job. That's the trick, right? I mean, if you move him to guard and have him compete, that means, you know, you're either – uh, Norwell's going to be gone or Cam's going to be gone, right? Those are the starting guards right now. And or or Cam doesn't beat him out and Cam's a backup. Okay, and he's just hanging out as a backup uh, swing guy, right? I, I mean, I don't think any of us would disagree that we need to get better at, at the offensive line. I think we need to be better at left tackle. Um, now, I'm not saying you don't let Cam uh, uh, compete at left tackle. He's coming off an ACL. You know, he has a year under his belt. Um, Hopefully that he'll be able to take a step forward. But I think what we've seen is some consistent technique and footwork issues from the day he showed up here that have continued and become a habit. And regardless of how he, his knee feels, he's going to have to change those habits. Uh, let's, let's touch on some of the things Dave Caldwell, Jaguars general manager, discussed earlier this week in an interview on Jaguars.com. He was in Mobile this week. And, you know, the number one priority, he said, in that press conference right after the end of the season, after they were both announced that uh, Dave and Doug were both coming back, the number one priority was unique in Gakwe. And he still sounded confident that he could get the deal done and Ngakwe would be a Jaguar. But then Ngakwe, over the next couple of days after that, has uh, sent a few cryptic tweets out, Tony. Uh, one of those, master of my fate. The next one after that interview came out was, don't believe everything you hear. Later that day, one word, free. And then uh, in a response to Robert Mathis at one point, um, he said, new chapter. So Yannick sounds like, you know, if, you, if you're following tweets, which is a, a dangerous thing to do because you never know which path this is going to go down. Um, it sounds like he thinks he's going to be a free agent. There's he's not going to be a I, he's not going to be a free agent is he Tony? I would be shocked if he's a free agent. Right. I think the uh, worst case scenario for him, which is you know not great for him, is he's going to be franchised. Best case scenario for him is he gets a long term deal and he gets what he wants. Um, you know, as far as Twitter and social media this time of year, I don't care, and and I love Yon. I think he's a great player, and I think he's 
really a pro and, and you want them on your team, but I don't care what the social media says because it's cryptic. People, you know, I think <laughs> me included, you spend way much, too much time on the dang uh, on social media and you say things and you put things out and who knows what it means, especially the way guys communicate nowadays. So uh, we'll wait and see. Um, the reality is the leverage right now is with the Jaguars because they have the franchise tag. And Caldwell this week, another uh, obviously hot-button topic is the quarterback position. He didn't have a lot new to add to that this week, you know, when asked uh, his status of this quarterback room here. But, um, you know, in time, we'll see what happens with that. If they, Do you think they'll shop foals? Do you, what, what's going to happen in, with that position if you had to pick it right now, January 23rd, Tony? I think both are back. I think they're both yeah. competing. I think going in, Gardner Minshew has a leg up. I just don't see – anyone trading for Nick Foles' contract. Um, now, do the Jaguars say, if we trade, and I don't know the cap ramifications, JP, if we trade them, obviously if we cut them, it's $34 million of dead money. Yes. If you trade him, could you trade him to a team that is looking for a guy to compete for the starting job and they take his cap number, and you, the Jaguars, pay a significant piece of his salary. And so you get him off the books, and we'd have to ask Tim Walsh or uh, yeah. or someone in the one of the cap experts exactly what a trade triggers compared to being cut. But if you're able to get the cap relief you wanted and trade him, would you be willing to pay if his base salary is – 25 22 million dollars next year are you willing to pay 18 of it uh to trade them now you can make the case that that makes sense because you free up the cap you already owe it to him no matter what so why not just pay it to him let him go be on another team and you free up the cap room and you can move on and build build out your roster um so that i mean that's the one scenario i think you could kind of look at but you have to find the trading partner that basically says we're okay taking the cap hit. We have plenty of cap room and we feel like Nick Foles can compete for the starting job and help us win. Uh, who that team is, you know, who knows who it is, but I think that's the only chance you have of, of seeing Nick Foles not here. What if that's the Jaguars? What if it just, they just let it ride? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think, yeah. I, I think most likely the scenario is going to be is he's going to be on this roster. And then what if he comes out like last trading camp and, and lights it up and looks 10 times better than Gardner? Well, then we have a problem. What do you then mean? Maybe is, he's playing well. well the, you no, know, no. When I say a problem, then you have the controversy. You have a quarterback controversy, a fan saying, we want Mark Minshew, we want Foles, and you go back and forth. And then the question is, at the first sign of trouble for Foles, do you have a team that's bouncing back and forth between quarterbacks, which in the history of the NFL has not really worked very well? It's amazing how how fast that happened last year. In training camp and the preseason and all that, free agency, Nick Foles is coming. This is unbelievable. Wow, he's gone to two playoffs and was a Super Bowl MVP and it was a, everybody loved him. And he gets hurt on the 11th play. And then Minshew Mania happens. And then here comes Foles back off the bench and uh, loses two games and gets pulled out of another at halftime. And now 
you ask Jaguar fans, and, and they they want him out of town. A lot of them, which is that's a that's a fast turnaround. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit ridiculous, JP. In my opinion, I mean, the guy played two and a half games and and was hurt and had all kinds of issues. Um, so I, I I don't understand it to be honest with you. Um, it's due to this though. I actually do understand it. I shouldn't say that. It's just uh, it's unfortunate if you're Nick Foles. What happened was is the hype of Nick Foles' excitement. It was clear he was the better quarterback in training camp between him and Minshew. He's your starter. There's no questions. Heck, there's half the people, at, and I believe if you gave truth serum to the people in the building that they were looking to possibly cut Minshew and put him on practice squad or something and try to go get a veteran. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was unanimous. Everyone thought that Minshew was the backup, and I guarantee you there was no one in that building who said, hey, Minshew could be the future franchise quarterback of this organization. Um, I don't buy that. Mm. But what happened is he came in and he excelled. For a rookie especially, he wildly outperformed any expectations, so it even feels better because of how far he outperformed the expectations. So now there's this excitement, there's this momentum and everything else. And when Foles comes back in and it goes as bad as it does, that's why you have this really all of a sudden, you know, just a, a... diabolical shift like just unbelievable like off the chart shift from how we feel about Foles and and how we feel about Minshew because of how much Foles underperformed compared to expectations Minshew overperformed compared to expectations so it widens the gulf and that's why we sit where we do today now with all that said I'm not convinced that Nick Foles can't do it because that would mean what all of us saw in training camp was make believe. No, it and happened. We, we sat there and watched it. Yeah, I don't buy that. Now, what I do believe is that in today's NFL, you're, I think you need to have an athletic mobile quarterback. Not, it doesn't have to be to the extent of Lamar Jackson, but you need a guy who can move in the pocket and make plays with his legs. Minshew is better at that than Nick Foles. And so it's going to be really an interesting journey um and see how this plays out and you know and then you have the whole thing with Nick uh, with Jay Gruden and what kind of system does he come in that's right and who who fits better so it's a wait and see I think Minshew has the, the edge and I think if the Jaguars could find a trading partner that took his cap number they'd probably be willing to pay a big portion of his salary just to get him off the cap we're back in a moment Tony and uh, we're going to hear from a Hall of Fame defensive lineman who used to play against you from time to time. I know you're excited okay. to hear it. it it's uh, intriguing stuff. Ashlyn Sullivan set to join us as well to recap the Pro Bowl week for the Jaguars, Calais Campbell, Josh Allen, and uh, DJ Chark in Orlando this week. Back with more in a moment. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Tito's Handmade Vodka is America's original craft vodka. In 1995, Tito Beverage set out to build a micro distillery incorporating elements of artisan craftsmanship from boutique wineries into the spirits industry. Pot distilled and made from corn, Tito's is naturally gluten-free, crafted in Austin, Texas to be savored by spirit connoisseurs and everyday drinkers alike. For Tito's recipes, infusion ideas, Tito's swag, or to learn more about our story, visit titosvodka.com. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, crafted to be savored responsibly. There's a chance your local GEICO agent has the same affinity for dad jokes as you. What do you call a fake noodle? I don't know. 
maybe an impasta. Oh, so cheesy. Ah, did it great on you. Yeah, you really shredded me. <laughs> but there's a better chance your local GEICO agent could help you out with auto, homeowners, renters, or condo insurance. Motorcycle, boat, or RV insurance, too. They'll work hard to provide sound advice and significant savings. You don't need to share a love for paternal puns to do that. Local GEICO agents. Call or visit yours today. There are a lot of SUVs on the road today, but many SUVs lack in sport and utility, not Ford SUVs. Because Ford SUVs offer intelligent four-wheel drive, not to mention ruggedness and versatility. Which means you can drive it like an SUV is meant to be driven. And you can drive it like a Ford. Whether you're driving to a Jaguars game or on the way to work, when you see flashing lights, please move over. If you can't move over a lane, slow down 20 miles per hour below the speed limit. You can protect those who help you on the road. From law enforcement and other first responders to utility and tow truck drivers, they all need you to be at the top of your game while you're driving. See lights? Please move over. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles and the Florida Highway Patrol. Hey, Jax fans. You know green chili makes everything taste better. And our friends at 505 Southwestern make the good stuff. Flame roasted, premium quality. It's the famous Hatch Valley green chili in glass jars, not in tin cans. Try this idea. Mix some 505 green chili into your favorite salsa and add some kick. Or use 505 as a guacamole starter. You'll love 505 Southwestern. Jags fans, TIAA Bank is ready to be your home team for home lending. Whether you're looking to buy a new home or refinance your current one, we have the nationwide expertise in competitive rates, along with a wide range of mortgage solutions to help you achieve your home lending goals. Team up with a TIAA Bank mortgage expert today. Visit TIAABank.com slash lending team. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, Equal Housing Lender, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's been great. Uh, Coach Marone's obviously open to new ideas and, and very flexible with uh, the organization aspect of it. So between him and uh, the coaching staff and the personnel staff, we've had uh, some good group meetings, some good open discussions on, on our current roster and our roster moving forward. So uh, it's been really good. And uh, when we get back on Thursday and Friday at the end of this week, we'll continue that with uh, the coaches and the personnel staff too. Dave Caldwell, Jaguars general manager at the Senior Bowl this week. Welcome back, Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Baselli. Uh, that, that's another thing we haven't really touched on in this show yet, but it's going to be a topic, I think, at least early in this offseason, is the strategy moving ahead, a collective front from the organization, scouting, coaching, that it wasn't happening before is of note. Which but, it makes me laugh, J.P. I mean, this is, right? I mean, we talked about this last week. Like, it, every time I hear that, and I'm glad they're doing it. It's maybe I'm the maybe I'm crazy, but I'm shocked that that's not how they were doing it before. I mean, every organization that I know of, and I don't, it's not like I'm intimate with every organization, but like that's just how it works. Like, how do you build a roster without buy in from your coaching staff? 
It's interesting, isn't it? Like the way it should be is like the coaching staff says, this is the style we're going to play. This is the profile, the players we want and that we need to win football games. And it's the job of the GM and the scouts to go get those guys and to work in collaboration with the coaching staff, which sounds like that's what they're doing now. But why was that not happening before? But I guess question. what, I, and it's a good question. It's a fair question, but at the same time, I guess it doesn't matter at this point. Um, sounds like they got it right. So hopefully we see a difference and a good change in that um, we get it going and it's, it's uh, not too late in the sense of not too late overall. Obviously it's not too late overall. You can rebuild and do it, but for this group, I think for this group, you know, this is a really important year and I hope it's not too late for, um, this group and that they, they can figure out and rebuild the roster and, and get us to a point as an organization that we're uh, in the playoffs next year and we're fighting and uh, we're in the tournament because once you get in the tournament, you have a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and that's what everyone's playing for. We'll hear from Ashlyn Sullivan coming up in just a few minutes. We'll go over her visit to the Pro Bowl, hear from a couple of the Jaguars players and a Hall of Fame defensive lineman who played against you, Tony. Uh, that's coming up. But first, let's recap the championship games from last week. The uh, Chiefs over the Titans in the AFC championship game, 35-24 the final. Patrick Mahomes was spectacular in that football game, Tony. Yeah, I did that game, and um, he is a great player. I mean, it, for my money, he's the best quarterback in football. Now, he didn't have the best year. Lamar Jackson had the best year at that position. And I think he's the MVP, and he deserves it. He was fabulous this year. But the best quarterback, I would argue the best football player um, is Patrick Mahomes. From the standpoint of, imagine if you said, okay, we're disbanding the NFL, and we're creating a new football league. <laughs> and there's 32 teams, and every player goes into the draft. And we're going to have you know all these rounds, and we're going to pick. Who would be the first overall pick of every team? That's pretty darn close to Mahomes, right? It's got to be. I I can't think of another guy. Who else would you pick besides Patrick Mahomes to build your team around? I mean, he could do it all. He, he is the best all. player. JP is fabulous. Um, but the, the biggest story to me, the biggest story of that game though was just the awful and confusing and mind head-scratching, mind-bending strategy of the Tennessee Titans who decided to only give the hottest running back in the NFL who's carried them to the playoffs three carries in the second half. And everyone yeah. says, well, in the fourth quarter, they were down two possessions. Who cares? In Still, week 10, right. they were down two possessions to the – the same team, the Kansas City Chiefs, they got the ball with 10 and a half minutes or 10, 15 left in the game. And you know what they did out of 11 plays? They ran it 10 times. And they scored, and they got the ball back, and they scored, and they won the football game. And this time, they didn't run it coming out of halftime. Then, with 14 minutes left, down 11, they threw it five straight times. And that was it. And then now they're down three possessions, and now they're chasing their tail, holding on for dear life, trying to get back into it. But to give Derrick Henry three rushes in the second half, I got to believe that Mike Vrabel, who did a great job this year, and Arthur Smith, the 
coordinator who did a fabulous job this year, but are kicking themselves as they watch that tape and review it and saying, how do we allow this to happen? Um, they're great coaches. They're outstanding coaches. They had, great, they had a great year, the Titans did. But that was – I said it during the middle of the game. I kept on saying, yep, here they go. They're going to go to – they're going to go to Derrick Henry, and they never did in the second half. Some quick thoughts about the NFC Championship game. The 49ers over the Packers, 37-20. to 20. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball eight times in the game. They dominated on the ground, Tony. Yeah, when, when the Packers decided they didn't want to tackle the 49er running backs and they were going to play two-hand touch until he got 10 yards down the field, why wouldn't you throw it? <laughs> right. Um, so what's the point of throwing the football? You're more productive running the ball. Um, less risk, and uh, the game actually went pretty much how I thought it was. I thought the 49ers would dominate the Packers. They dominated them during the regular season. They dominated them during the playoff, this playoff uh, game, the championship game. I did not think that would be a close game. I thought the better game was the Chiefs and the uh, ten and the Titans going in. It ended up being um, the Packers were they were 13 and three this year. The regular season won a playoff game, but they were I think a pretty soft 13 and three team in my opinion. Let's come back. Ashlyn Sullivan joins us in studio to recap her week of the Pro Bowl in Orlando. We'll hear from a Jags player and a former NFL defensive lineman who is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. Back in a moment, it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Tito's Handmade Vodka is America's original craft vodka. In 1995, Tito Beverage set out to build a micro distillery incorporating elements of artisan craftsmanship from boutique wineries into the spirits industry. Pot distilled and made from corn, Tito's is naturally gluten-free, crafted in Austin, Texas to be savored by spirit connoisseurs and everyday drinkers alike. For Tito's recipes, infusion ideas, Tito's swag, or to learn more about our story, visit titosvodka.com. 80 proof Tito's handmade vodka, crafted to be savored responsibly. Whether you are driving to a Jaguars game or on the way to work, when you see flashing lights, please move over. If you can't move over a lane, slow down 20 miles per hour below the speed limit. You can protect those who help you on the road. From law enforcement and other first responders to utility and tow truck drivers, they all need you to be at the top of your game while you're driving. See lights? Please move over. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles and the Florida Highway Patrol. Jags fans, Fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like working outdoors and want better pay and benefits? Superior Fence and Rail is seeking full-time fence installers who can provide first-class customer service. Recognized as a best place to work on the First Coast, they'll train you to work with their professional team and provide you with all the tools you'll need to be a top-notch installer. Get off the fence. Call Superior Fence and Rail today and start your career. SuperiorFenceAndRail.com at ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. 
saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Hey, Jax fans, you know green chili makes everything taste better. And our friends at 505 Southwestern make the good stuff. Flame roasted, premium quality. It's the famous Hatch Valley Green Chili in glass jars, not in tin cans. Try this idea. Mix some 505 Green Chili into your favorite salsa and add some kick. Or use 505 as a guacamole starter. You'll love 505 Southwestern. Jaguars Happy Hour continues. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Baselli, and Ashlyn Sullivan joins us in studio. What's up? How's it going? Busy it, day. It's going, yes. Everybody's yeah. back from um, other places. The kids are back. Places. Back in the office. We got back from Mobile a few minutes ago. Uh, you got back from Orlando a few minutes ago. I might have gotten over the speed limit to get back here, but don't oh, tell anyone I said that. Rule breaker. I That's set, me. I set a land speed record from Mobile to Jacksonville today, I think. <laughs> On I-10. Don't gotta tell do what you gotta do. Um, you were at the Pro Bowl this I was, week, I and was. there were three Jaguars at the Pro Bowl this week. And you know, Calais has done this thing before, but the other two guys, Josh Allen and DJ Chark, it's their first go round. How was everybody feeling? Pretty yeah, good, I guess. Calais, right? five-time Pro Bowler, he gets it. He understands. And throughout the entire season, he was really harping on Josh Allen making it. I mean, multiple times he was saying. You know, Josh, don't brag on yourself. Let others brag for you. And he was the one bragging for him. So for Josh Allen and DJ Chark, just like giddy kid in a candy store, so happy to be there. DJ Chark was saying, you know, eight touchdowns, over 1,000 yards on the season. But the Pro Bowl really makes it a season that he will remember. I think, I think the Pro Bowl put it over the top. Uh, I told myself I was going to try to get 1,000 yards. Um, I didn't really have an ideal on the touchdowns, but I think the Pro Bowl definitely like solidified it. Look at those shades. Yeah, Oakley sponsor. <laughs> they all had them. Love it. Calais, Josh Allen, and DJ all had them. And what a year he had. I mean, for a guy who on the offensive side didn't really have much going last year, big on the special team side, certainly Tony. For him to break out and play like he did this year with the offense as inconsistent as it was, that's a heck of a year, Tony, for him. Yeah, and he did it missing the game, too. Let's not forget he had the mm -hmm. ankle injury that he missed one game and then was slowed up the uh, second game. Uh, I mean, the first game he came back. So it's two games, really, he didn't have the production that uh, you were used to seeing. So he pretty much did that in the 14-game uh, season. He was outstanding. He took a huge jump from year one to year two. That's what you want from your young players. You, like, you know that there's going to be growing pains as a rookie. You're figuring it out, um, especially at the wide receiver position. That can be a tough adjustment because of the how to win against top-end corners, how to beat press coverage, how to have really concise uh, route running. Um, so it can be tough. He earned his stripes. He played special teams, and then he came out. I didn't see this coming, I'll be honest with you. Um, but he was – dynamic he was a big play guy and he had a great year and i'm really excited for him that he ended up making the pro bowl we'll see what the future holds for him too mm -hmm. it seems bright for him and this jaguars offense you know you, when you walk around a pro bowl practice you never really know 
who you're going to see. I mean, you're yeah. obviously going to see some Pro Bowlers. You're at Pro Bowl practice. But <laughs> you're going to see – You'd hope so. You, you might see <laughs> some former Pro Bowlers, too, and a guy who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You had a chance – to uh, catch up with one of those guys this week, too. Yes, actually. Hall of Fame defensive end Bruce Smith. He was talking to Josh Allen and Calais Campbell. They were all in a little group together. Everyone was like, you got to go talk to him. So went in, shook, shook his hand, sucked the microphone in. We talked a lot about Josh Allen and Calais Campbell, but we also had to sneak in a question about our co-host, Tony Baselli. Well, Tony, Tony's a stud. Uh, he, he was a stud. I, I think I played against him all three times and and uh he gave me all all that i could handle that that that's for sure um uh, so I, i'm i'm pulling for tony uh i understand the the dynamics of, of the voting process and and him having a short career uh and his body of work wasn't necessarily complete but while he was healthy uh during that era of football there was there was none better it's notable, certainly, um, Tony, because I don't think <laughs> that Bruce Smith on the record has said anything close to that about you. So it's the nicest thing I've ever heard Bruce say about me, uh, whether it's while we were playing against each other and shared words or uh, post-career. So, listen, Bruce Smith is, you know, when you start talking about the best pass rushers in the history of the game, Bruce Smith is, you know, right there with, Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, uh, he's the all-time sack leader. Um, he did it for a long time, multiple defensive player of the year guy. I mean, he's dominant, and uh, he was a great player. And, and uh, to hear him say I gave him all he could handle, well, it's a pretty big compliment. He gave me a bunch of, you know, it was no easy day at the beach trying to block the guy. Um, he was a great player uh, and played, a, you know, run, pass. He could do it all. And so to have someone like that, you know, it's pretty uh, – I'll be honest with you, it's, it's really cool, and it um, means a lot. I always said, you know, obviously I want to make the Hall of Fame, and it's, it will be the, the, the huge, biggest um, individual honor in sports that I've ever had, obviously. It's stating the obvious. But to hear when your peers talk about you, guys you played against, guys who know, um, and just have people like that, like Bruce Smith, say something uh, that he just did is uh, pretty amazing pretty amazing and uh, he's right listen i got hurt career was short we'll see how the voters uh um kind of process that again for the fourth time as a finalist but to have a guy like bruce smith say that and you know jason taylor wrote a letter as well uh that was pretty cool and those guys are both hall of famers so that means a lot i won't lie tony when i went up there and said i'm gonna ask you about tony baselli he kind of just gave me like a look like he kind of just smirked <laughs> and looked at me i was like i guess that means yes we're going with it. I'm glad. Hey, Ashton, <laughs> I give you credit because uh, Bruce is uh, can be an intimidating, intimidating dude, and uh, yeah, I, give I won't you a lie, ton he of was. Thank you. Yeah, I needed it. I needed some encouragement. And get in there. We did our. You part. know what? I like that. You didn't back down. I love it. That's, uh, <laughs> shows some. That shows some grit. That's why. That's why you're great at what you do. I love it. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. He was very nice. Nice guy. I don't know what the hoopla was about. Good guy. <laughs> well, we had a, you know, we had some pretty uh, big battles, and uh, he didn't always appreciate, I think, the way I blocked him, and uh, maybe I might have taken a 
passed the whistle a few times, uh, and I know he didn't appreciate that as well. A time or two or three or four. <laughs> he was yes. a great one, man. He was. He, I had to go past the whistle. I had to try to get him frustrated because if I just played the normal game, he's going to embarrass me. So <laughs> he had to get, I, had to, I had to get after him. He was that good. Ashlyn, uh, well done on the Pro Bowl coverage this Thank week. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, looking for that on Jaguars.com. Yep. Catch you later. Yeah, in the office. I'll see you there. Uh, yeah, we'll see you over there. All right. In a while. See uh, Ashlyn Sullivan with us. Stick around. The Doug Marone Show coming up. Tony's back as well. Uh, thank you for watching and listening to Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.